afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? Welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler Rojack, and I'm joined alongside Luke Smith. And for the first time in a long time, we get to talk about a Notre Dame victory. And thank God we do, because I think I speak for the entire fan base when I say we needed this. And Luke, as we know, winning is hard. Uh, the Irish defeated the California Golden Bears by a score of 24-17. to It wasn't always pretty. As a matter of fact, it was, it was pretty ugly throughout, but it was a win nonetheless in the first for Marcus Freeman as a head coach. Luke was in attendance, so we're going to discuss the scenes from South Bend before we dive into the good and bad from the game. And then we'll try to figure out what this win means for the team going forward. Before we get going here, we'd like to ask that any of you watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the video below. And if you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe there as well. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of Sons of Saturday is supported by DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays and even bigger wins new customers can bet just five dollars on any nfl team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do if that's not enough everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays right now for every leg you add you can boost your winnings up to 100 percent with payouts bigger than ever why bet on football anywhere else To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing activewear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right, Luke, you are boots on the ground this weekend. Give us the report from South Bend. I had a good time. Um, it was it was warm yesterday, but uh, pretty good turnout. Tailgate lots seemed pretty crowded. Um, it's a beautiful night after the game, so enjoyed some extra time in the, in the parking lot after the game as well. Um, the game was the game. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say. It was 
potentially the worst first half of football I've ever watched in my life, but but by both teams, just and and the officiating, just nobody was on their game. Um, so that was tough, but um, you know, I've kind of just grown so numb to this team that uh, I wasn't really that worked up because I just kind of that's exactly what we knew what was going to happen. Um, but yeah, you know, all in all, um, really good time. Um, we, uh, we got a win and I felt for a minute like there, like we might be cursed in that last <laughs> minute where we took the ball away three times and then apparently didn't take the ball away three times. Um, but yeah, we got, we got it, we got it done and, uh, that's all that really matters. I don't know if there's any large takeaways, but all in all good, good time in South Bend. Yeah, we'll get into the large takeaways and try to figure out what this game means, if it means anything. But I'm a little bit concerned about you. If you're already numb to this team, we're only three games in. We've got nine more of these to go. Well, that's okay. It's rather numb than pissed off. Um, I, I like, I, I, I'm just not letting them dictate my life um, <laughs> is, is what I'm going for. Um, that's, that's progress. I, I will say, uh, just like, and we'll get into this, I, this is kind of a thought I had. Um, the... The play that was overturned, where his knee, where Plummer's knee was down, um, they called it a sack. He was so stupid on that play, trying to throw the ball away, that they should have just called it a fumble because there should be a penalty for idiocy. Like, like that was just ridiculous. They should have let the touchdown stand, also for the backdoor cover. But like that <laughs> yes. was such a dumb play by the quarterback that he did not deserve to get the ball back. That backdoor cover would have been maybe the greatest cover in Notre Dame history. That was hilarious. It was up there with the Stanford block punt one 2019. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was an interesting game throughout. And you're right. The beginning of it was so bad. I, I saw someone tweet this. They were, I, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but it was like anyone who's watching this Notre Dame Cal game who isn't a fan of either team deser- uh, deserves to be put on some sort of no fly list or federal watch list. And I think that's a perfect way to describe it because holy shit, the beginning of the game no offense to Drew Pine, it looked like he had never played football before in his entire life. Ever. Yeah. Uh, he's terrible. Um, <laughs> like, I, I know he bounced back within, like, they embraced his limitations, of which there are many, but he is terrible. Um, and, and, and it's hard to watch. Like, they've, at least they accept that he can't throw the ball past eight yards um, because we have no passing game. It's a running, the, the passing game is the extension of the running game, which is not really how that's supposed to work, but that is how it's working. Yeah, if the passing game is an extension of the running game, you at least need some receivers on the outside to be able to make plays in space. And so far right now, Notre Dame doesn't seem to have that. But let's start on a, on a positive note before we get into all the limitations that Drew Pine has, because I want to talk about the offense and particularly what they got going in the second half. Because dare I say, Notre Dame actually looked like a competent offense for pretty much the first time we've seen all season uh, outside of that one touchdown drive against Ohio State in the season opener. They actually moved the ball. Drew Pine, I think he was 10 for 11 at one point in the second half. He finished, I think he was 17 of 23 for 150 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions, which is great. They were only did fumble a snap. Yeah, did fumble a snap and actually should have fumbled another one. I don't know if you saw this, but he didn't fumble it. He bobbled it. He was in the shotgun, and the ball just hit yeah. him square in the face. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was tough. That, that was pretty tough to watch. Yeah. Um, but he did seem to figure it out, and Notre Dame was able to get something going there in the second half. I thought Chris Tyree and Audrey Castamay had really good games. And, you know, Tyrese has been under fire a lot these past few weeks, and he was pretty on fire during the game. We can get to that. But I was actually pretty pleased with what we saw from the offense in the second half. How did you feel about it? 
I mean, I was pleased in the sense that like they didn't try to do something that they're not. Now, is that offense going to work against Clemson? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Um, but it might work next week. North Carolina can't play defense. They can play offense, but they can't play defense. So that one is, and we'll talk about that more this week. That's going to be a very interesting game to me, just because I have no idea what's going to happen. And I feel like that's how I feel every time we play North Carolina. And then something like the outcome is not really what I expect every time, but I digress. Um, yeah, like they did look competent. I just don't think that, that, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but that, that it's just not going to work against superior opponents. It's just the the passing game and the fact that uh, Drew Pine's average depth of target, according to Jamie Uyama, was 2.8 yards. I believe it. That's, you know, that's that's certainly something. But how much of that is on Drew certainly being limited? Although he did have a couple nice passes. Like when he, when he dropped back and he threw uh, the touchdown pass to Tyree, when I saw him like rear back, I got so nervous. I think I was like, no, 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 no. Because I I got nervous every time he threw the ball when we had the lead. I thought he was going to throw a pick six and they were going to like take the yeah. lead every time. Yeah, but he did settle down. He came into his own a little bit. But I think the most encouraging thing was our offensive line in the second half actually got a push. And it's amazing what happens when they're able to do that because then a guy like Audrey Casme can actually get some space. And when he gets some momentum going downhill, he's really tough to bring down. He had a really good game. Unless he tackles himself like he did on that <laughs> <Yeah>. pass play. <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on. I think he got worried that he was going to fumble the ball or what, but he was looking around and then just fell forward. That wasn't that wasn't the prettiest, but sort of just a microcosm of really what that game was entirely. Like every time yeah. Notre Dame had something going, you're like, oh my God, they're going to blow it. And then they seem to figure it out. But I think overall, there's there's some positives to be taken from that offense and particularly the offensive line. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that was the first time they've looked competent all year. Um, so that's that's good. Uh, and, you know, I think similarly, the defensive line finally played well as well. Um, so that's another good thing. Um, all that is to say that we still Cal had a shot to tie the game on the last play of the game and probably should have if the guy had hands. Was um, that was that on your end? I have a really good video of it, actually, um, and and I'm shocked I didn't say anything in the video. I watched it this morning, and I thought you would have heard me say like Jesus fucking Christ or something, <laughs> but I didn't actually say anything. So, uh, but it is a good video, and it it captures it pretty well. So yeah, that was like kind of like I was on the forty, and then that was like right to my right, I guess, basically. All right, let's just talk about that last sequence. What the hell was that? Did that last minute of the game? It that last minute of the game probably took at least 10 years off my life. And it looked like it took a hundred off Marcus Freeman because after the game, he did his post game interview. And it was the first time where I've seen him look rattled or just shell shocked. I mean, his face, it looked like he had just seen a ghost and his voice was a little bit shaky. I think he just this giant relief for him and for the entire fan base, because there's definitely the thought going through my mind at at some point in that game where I was thinking if Notre Dame can't win this one, when when is that win coming? Because if they yeah. can't beat Cal, they can't beat UNC, they're not going to beat BYU. But fortunately, they were able to pull it off in the last minute. But how would you describe your emotions during that last little sequence? I was just like, how is this game not over yet? I, I mean, It felt like it ended four different times, and then it just wouldn't. And like the longer it went on, the less 
like the more certain I was that they were going to tie the game. Um, letting up a scramble on fourth and 12 for 20 yards or whatever it was. Ridiculous. That was a, a problem throughout the game, actually. But uh, honestly, maybe a good thing J.D. Bertrand got kicked out because now we can't play against North Carolina in the first half. And I don't think that unathletic linebacker against Carolina's offense would be very good. So, um, But that targeting, it's like, are you kidding me? I, I it, it honestly was the right call, I think. It but. Was. But I, I I can't I can't think of like I don't think I've seen that happen before. Like <laughs> you lose an interception because of a targeting away from the ball. Like, I mean, like I don't think I've seen that. And I was like, of course, why why wouldn't that happen yeah. right now? Um, and then yeah, like I said on that last play, the ball felt like it was up in the air forever. It hit like six different guys, and I thought they did catch it initially. Um, I did too. Yeah, that uh, that was that was not fun. <laughs> Do you think they would have gone for two? I think they 100% would have. Yeah, yeah, same. I think I think they should have, too. Yeah, yeah. at that point, you just have Notre Dame just on their heels, and clearly on that drive, Notre Dame was cursed if they had you know reeled that in for a touchdown. I'm a little bit concerned as to what they've been teaching in practice because literally the number one rule on a Hail Mary is to knock that shit down and Notre I Brandon Joseph tried to catch it, and yeah. they t- he tipped it up in the air. I think they just really want that first turnover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sucks for the defense because they had two on that last drive and neither yeah. one counted. When Tariq Bracey returned that fumble, I, I didn't even get to enjoy that, even for the brief bit there where we thought it was actually a touchdown because I was like, oh, that's just going to be incomplete because he threw it forward. Right. Right. So that was sort of anticlimactic, but the Clarence Lewis pick was great there in that moment before it was overturned because of J.D. Bertrand. Uh, <laughs> but hey, I think while we're staying on the positive, pretty good game for your boy Clarence Lewis. The revenge tour continues. Yeah, we finally had another pass breakup, too. Uh, maybe we had a couple yesterday, actually. We had a couple, um, yeah. We only had two going into the game, so so that's good. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he he's playing well. Um, I, honestly, I I felt like the defense in general played very well outside of what we mentioned where they weirdly Plummer was scrambling all over them. They just had no contain there, which I don't know how that happened. I, there was one play in particular where Marist was like getting lightly blocked and he just didn't shed the block. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Just drill him. He ran to the block. I know exactly which play you're talking about it. He was, it was him and Plummer. And there was, I think it was a running back or wide receiver. Either way, not someone who should be capable of blocking Marist. And we see him run so violently into an offensive line with no regard to his life. But then when he was in space, it looked like he broke down and slowed down to absorb the block before he even made a move on Plummer. That was really odd. Clearly in the game plan, Notre Dame didn't factor into trying to contain Plummer's running ability, and they made him look Michael Vick, so that's a bit discouraging, especially when they've got Drake May next week. Now, I would hope that the game plan is a little bit different, knowing how good May has been and how he can use his legs. So from that aspect, I think that'll change. But yeah, I think the defense had a really good game. Finally, we saw the defensive line that we heard so much about in the preseason, and you know they talked themselves up quite a bit, especially Jason Adamilola. And uh, Riley Mills said they think they're going to be one of the best units in the country. We had not seen it to date, but they had a really impressive showing against Cal. How much of that is Cal's offensive line being pretty brutal? We can get into that. But Notre Dame did finish. I think they had six sacks mm-hmm. total, all in the defensive yeah. line. Jacob Lacey had the best game of his career. He was he was great. And Isaiah Foskey, after being hurt for a good chunk of that game, came in later in the game, made some big plays. So I think overall that was really encouraging going forward. Definitely. I am a little bit interested to see what they say about Foskey because even when he had that last sack or whatever, he was still holding his shoulder a lot 
Uh, so I'm very curious to hear what they say, what, what what's going on there. Um, I, we may never know. I mean, people people forget slash never knew that Jerry Tillery played the entire second half of 2018 with a torn labrum. So, um, like, maybe, I don't know, it just the way he was holding his shoulder looked weird to me. Yeah, I was surprised he even came back into the game, honestly. Yeah. Um, and he came back in pretty quickly, actually. Like, he was on special teams on that next series, which I was like, whoa, because I said, Foskey's out there. And the guy in front of me was like, no, I think that's the special team seven. And I was like, that doesn't exist, buddy. <laughs> this- <laughs> hey, uh, all right. I guess three people can wear the same number now if there's a special teams guy. But, yeah, I thought the defense looked really good. Um, the corners look pretty solid. Yeah, still no turnover, which is – it's getting out of control, dude. Like it's a bit maddening. Yeah, <laughs> Notre Dame—they're not going to beat North Carolina unless they get a couple turnovers. Correct. So, if you think about it, we haven't forced any turnovers, and we don't have a receiver with a touchdown catch. That part is less surprising. <laughs> but it's—I mean—it's not good. Is the is the point no, I'm making? <laughs> it's not good. It's especially frustrating when I go to a USC game and their defense is not that good. And I think at this point in the season, they've already. Uh, committed there or they've got 10 turnovers they're already in double yeah. digits now granted they played rice from fresno state with without jake hayner but either way it's getting out of control and finally we saw something then of course those two get wiped out so maybe this team just is a little bit cursed i don't know i yeah i think i think they are a little bit but um i guess we'll learn a lot more next weekend one good thing last time on the defense uh i thought their third and fourth down defense was really good they held Cal to four, four fifteen on third down, and Cal was one for three going for it on fourth down. So at least in that aspect, they were able to get them off the field for the most part, even if they weren't getting a turnover. It honestly feels like those five pickups were all scrambles. I think <laughs> like they, they all were. Yeah, like I don't think they had a big pass play on a third or fourth down. No, um, but yeah, no other otherwise good. Just those plays are what the hell is going on there? Um, need to clean that up. Definitely need to clean that up. Any other positives we want to hit? We sort of talked about Tyree and estimate Tyree was the focal point of the offense, and it looks like yeah. that's probably going to be the case going forward. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's what we asked for this week, so we got it, and, and he lived up the billing. I mean, like, just kind of got to let him, let him move, uh, let him get the ball in space, and so excited to see kind of how that goes. Um, Logan Diggs didn't play. Um, not surprising. They said he was sick. Apparently, yeah, he was this week. Apparently, he was sick this week. That's what uh, Marcus Freeman said in the post game presser. I don't. I don't think if, I would. Yeah. I don't think I would have played him anyways. Um, after last week's disaster. Yeah, he um, deserves a suspension after that miss uh, blitz yeah. pickup against Marshall. Yeah. A one game yeah. suspension. Yeah. Um. But now, I mean, like they won a game, and Mayer only had two catches. Uh. So and for ten yards, one of them obviously was a touchdown, which was big. And he was open a lot more. Um, I know somebody was trying to say that Cal took him out of the game. That's not really true. He was open a lot. We just, for whatever reason, yeah. weren't really looking there. Or we would throw it seven feet over his head. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I thought we were talking about positives, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we're still we're still on the positive. We're, um, I would say that Cal did double him a lot, but for whatever reason, uh, they just decided to go man coverage when Notre Dame was at the five yard line or whatever. It was kind of like. It reminded me of the Toledo game last year on the last yeah. drive of the game. They decided to just let Ty or let uh, Mayer go one on one with a linebacker, and then he was wide open for the game winning touchdown. So, yeah, um, thanks to Justin Wilcox for that, and I think that's a good segue into Drew Pine's performance overall. We can shift a little bit away from the positive because we have to address some of the negative. Yeah, we've we've already talked about Drew Pine coming out and playing terribly. He came out looking like a scared puppy dog, dude. He looked so rattled. He threw some balls in the dirt. 
He missed Michael Mayer on that third down. It wasn't even close. And I think it's time we address that Tommy Reese video. First of all, if anyone is upset with Tommy Reese for the way he reacted to that moment, like how would you react with your quarterback, a guy that you've worked with for a really long time now, just completely just looking unprepared in his first career start. So I think Pine actually came, he responded really well from that. And he said in the post-game press conference that like he reacts well to that kind of coaching. And he explicitly asked Reese to coach him like that. I know you were in the game, so you didn't see it when it happened. When did that video sort of get to you and how did you react to it? I, I, so I actually, I watched the video this morning, but I think you texted right when it happened that they showed it on the broadcast. So I knew about it pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's be honest. He was playing like an asshole. So like, <laughs> I, like he deserved it. Uh, I mean, like he did win the game. And I'll give him that. Like we got that undefeated as a starter. Right. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of cleanup and like, there's been a lot of pressure on Tommy Reese in this offense. You can't just have some guy just looking like he's never played football before out there. So I, I totally understand the frustration. And yeah, I think it's a really just not even a conversation. Like if you're really upset about that, you're not actually upset about that. <laughs> yeah, and you don't understand how football works, honestly. Yeah. The Lorenzo Styles drop or whatever, I don't even know if you can consider that a drop because it technically didn't even touch his hands. It went right through him on a yeah, critical I don't know how that. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> that was that was really strange, and he just looked confused afterwards. And the wide receiver play is just – we knew it was going to be an issue this season with depth, but you would hope that the guys who were on the field were able to make some plays. It's really discouraging when Lorenzo Styles is the leading wide receiver with three receptions for 29 yards. He had the drop we just mentioned over all the receivers combined for seven catches for 49 yards. We still have no sign of Tobias Merriweather. Now, he did get into the game, so he made his Notre Dame debut, but he's just not a fixture in this Notre Dame offense at all. So if Notre Dame is going to resort to this short passing game, and this is what they're going to do the remainder of the season, like the receivers have to be good enough to get involved in that and make some sort of plays on the outside. And right now, I'm just not seeing it. No, um, I'm also really curious like what this story is with Joe Wilkins because he was fully suited up yesterday. He did play like one rogue snap. Um, yeah, he got in against and, Marshall too. But like, because we know he's ready to play, so I'm just I'm conf- like, well, and I mean like from just like a mental standpoint, not necessarily. Like, I don't know where his health is at, but if they're putting him in at all, he must be good to go. So I'm just a little surprised they haven't leveraged him a little bit more. Um, Matt Salerno, I know he had one catch yesterday, but he seems like he really hasn't seen the field since Ohio State for the, for the most part. Um, I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> They were trying to run a four-receiver set at the start of the year, and they don't have four receivers. Uh, that's that's <laughs> difficult to do. So, um, yeah, it's just I don't really see that changing. I, I think it's just going to be a problem all year. Um, I, like They're not just one day going to wake up and all of a sudden be really good. Uh, just I don't think that's going to happen this year. I mean, it, it's never going to be a case where all of a sudden the whole unit just like comes together, but we should start seeing more of Tobias Merriweather. I'm actually a little bit confused why we haven't. Um, because I feel like at this point last year, Lorenzo Siles was getting more tick. He was getting more plays. And by the end of the year, he was arguably Notre Dame's best receiver. So if we could see that sort of development with Merriweather, I mean, that'd be crucial because Deion Colsey's clearly still hurt. They don't have a big receiver unless you consider Jaden Thomas big, but he's really not. I mean, he's like thick. Right. He's like six, one and a half. They have no deep threat right now whatsoever and now part of that is because of pines limitations but that's gonna have to change in the near future and i know that like tommy reese has said that he doesn't want to put 
Tobias Merriweather in until he trusts him. And I understand that, and I understand, you know, you don't want to throw a true freshman out there if he's not, like, he doesn't have a full grasp of the playbook. But it's getting to the point now where I find it hard that there's no place at all for Merriweather on the field, especially when you look around at what Notre Dame has. And it's not like, I don't know, what's the line? It's not like you're uh, subbing out Scotty Pippen, right? Isn't that the Mike Bray quote? So do you think we're going to see him soon? What do you make of that situation? I don't think Styles played till game four or five last year. I think he, I don't think he played till Cincinnati, really. Um, so with that, still kind of on track for that. Um, but I think they're going to have to play him. Like, just like, it's like, okay, I don't want to say it. They're due to have an injury at wide receiver, too. So, like, they're going to, they're going to have no choice unless they want to put Connor Radigan out there. So I'd like, <laughs> they need to, they need to play him, I think. Yeah. And, the thing is, if you're going to get this horizontal passing game, like last night I went to the USC game and it was interesting because one, I've never been to a game where I truly hated the home team and I didn't really have a dog in the fight other than Fresno State plus 11 and a half, which didn't cover, but that's a story for another day. USC's offense is like, it's not super complex. They run a ton of screens. They run a ton of stuff to the outside. And the thing is, they just have better players. Like they have Jordan Addison on the outside. Rice's kid is good. Relique Brown, a freshman is good. But there's just a bunch of motion and a bunch of screens, and then they just sort of chip away. And now, granted, they were playing Fresno State, but if Pine can't throw the ball 10 yards downfield, there's got to be some receivers who can make plays. And Merriweather apparently is extremely good after the catch. So how hard can it be? And this is sort of how I'm thinking of it. Like, if Notre Dame's not going to be running these complex route concepts and stuff and option routes where he has to make a decision based on what the defense is giving him, like you can't throw a tunnel screen. Like that that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. It's like if we're dumbing down the offense, in theory, it should be dumb enough or not as complex enough so that a true freshman could get in. I guess that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see kind of how this progresses, but I think that's a fair point. Yeah, another really frustrating thing about this one was Notre Dame's third down offense. They finished 3 of 12, and every time they did convert on a third down, I was almost surprised. Like, wow, mm-hmm. it actually mm-hmm. worked. They got They got a third down, and they had four false start penalties all on third down. One was on Jarrett Patterson again. That's a second false start in a third down uh, in back-to-back games. The Braden Lindsay one is completely inexcusable. I don't know whose fault that is. If Pine didn't look over and make sure that he was set or what, I understand you're trying to rush the snap, but that was just atrocious. Notre Dame had eight penalties overall for 66 yards, and, I mean, that has to get straightened out because, for the most part, Notre Dame was actually staying on schedule. It wasn't like... All of these were third and forever. I don't have the exact third down to go mar- uh, number in front of me, but that was that's got to be fixed and fixed soon. Yeah, especially the back to back ones. Those were horrific. Uh, like you're at home, there's no excuse. I'm sorry. They're just like it, it's a bad. It's a sign of bad coaching, really. Like you, like you, you got to fix that. Um, that just can't happen, especially with as much football as those guys have played too. I know they haven't been very good, although they did play yesterday. Did play better yesterday. It doesn't matter. Like, come on, you just can't do that. Yeah, false starts are inexcusable, especially at home. There's no excuse. And I know that some people have sort of. Uh, I don't want to say they've blamed the offensive line struggles on like this fear of how they're going to be reprimanded by Harry Heastand, but it doesn't matter who the offensive line coach is. They're going to react extremely negatively to a false start at any level of football, like at youth football, false start is inexcusable. And at high school, same thing. So seeing this stuff in college is just, it's really frustrating. And yeah, a sign of that this team just isn't all that disciplined. 
No, exactly. Um, and it's got to change now. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly has to change it for North Carolina. And then Notre Dame has a bye week, so hopefully they can get some things straightened out there. But was there anything else that was really frustrating to you going on? Was it offense, defense, or maybe uh, in the crowd? I mean, we mentioned just the scrambling from Plummer. Um, we already talked about that. No, actually, the game was kind of fine, like, just besides the fact that the first half was the worst half of football I've ever seen. Um, but, like, I didn't have any problems with anybody in the stadium, so at least that was good. There were a lot of Cal people, which surprised me. Um, it didn't reflect that that way in the stadium, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, we didn't see uh, any. Which is good. But there were there were a ton of Cal people in, in South Bend, so that was interesting. I didn't realize they had a fan base. I did not realize that. Berkeley people were willing to travel to northern Indiana to watch their football team. Yeah, I know. I guess we hadn't played since 1967, so this was their one chance. (laughs) Okay. So looking big picture here, it's great that Notre Dame got a win. Marcus Freeman's first. It's so funny that in the post game, the first thing he said was winning is hard. Just the classic Brian Kellyism, And he's right, though. Getting your first win under your belt is going to be probably one of the hardest ones. But now that he's got that, Notre Dame is a big-time opponent coming up this weekend against North Carolina. Do you feel any differently about this team going forward based on what you saw in the second half? Not really. Um, I don't, like, uh, what I'm hopeful is that, like, now that they have a win – just the weight is off the shoulder and maybe they just play a lot looser moving forward. Um, but I don't think we can take a whole lot away from that game other than that Drew Pine might really stink. Um, and But if they play to his limitations, then maybe they can be okay. Um, yeah, I don't think it really has a lot of bearing on how I, – like, I still don't really know how this season is going to play out. So um, I, I, I wouldn't say it necessarily changes my outlook because I don't think I know what my outlook is. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still trying to get there myself. I would say that Notre Dame is probably going to be in a lot of close games this season. Like, I think they're good enough. I don't, I don't see them getting blown out, really, by many teams. I, that, I just might have jinxed it right there. But I think Notre Dame is going to be in a lot of close games because I don't think they're so bad that these teams are going to run away from it. I think the defense is good to keep things within check. I mean, hell, they had a lead on Ohio State for a good chunk of the second half there, and they're the number two or three team in the country. But they're also not good enough offensively to really run away from teams. So this is just going to be a recurring theme. We're probably probably going to be sweating out these games every Saturday going forward. So being able to win a close game and learning how to do it under a new coaching staff is probably really good. So I think you can take that and carry that sure. over going forward. And maybe this is just reading too far into it. But is this just one of those teams where they're going to play to the level of the opponent every week? Because we really are just two weeks removed still from thinking, okay, Notre Dame lost, but I could still see them being a top 10 team after they lost Ohio State. Now, granted, that was with Tyler Buckner as a quarterback, so the situation has changed there. But defensively and just overall, is there reason for you to believe that this team could sort of figure it out and play up now going forward now that they have their first win under the belt? On the defensive side of the ball, I think so, even though they still don't have a turnover. Um, I do think that they have that ability. The offense, it's harder, it's harder for me to get there just because I think there are some serious limitations there. Um, but if the defense can keep them in some games and um, you know gives them a shot, then maybe they can be competitive in some of these games. But I, I just think there may be too many limitations on offense to really fully get there. Would it, would it shock you if Notre Dame, at one point this season, started using the Wildcat? Is like a real part of the offense. I'm being serious. No. Uh, no. Because that's pretty much what their passing game is right now, is throwing to the running backs. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no. 
During the first half, when Pine was just having a stroke on the field, I was seriously wondering, could the Wildcat be worse than this? Like, how would it be any worse by throwing a running back out and just throwing some misdirection stuff? I was sort of grasping at straws there, but that was a real thought that was going through my mind. Yeah, I mean, you had to try. I was throwing out uh, in the concourse that they should put in uh, John Budmeyer, who played at Wisconsin, <laughs> went to my high school, and now he's a quality control coach at Iowa. And so, and so he knows a lot about offense, obviously. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I was looking for anything and everything that would potentially give us an answer. Do you think the coaching staff is at the inner hall games today looking no. for the next quarterback? <laughs> I do not. I do not. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, I'm sorry to Andy fan six nine. So he was hoping for something different. So I guess the way I look at it for the rest of the season is I think we're going to learn a hell of a lot more about this team this upcoming Saturday, which is kind of <laughs> ironic because after the first game, you and I were like, yeah, I don't really know if we're going to learn anything about this team until November when they play Clemson. And now we're in week four of the season, kind of like, okay, this is this might be the biggest test the season today, not in terms of difficulty, because obviously that would be Ohio State, but just where this team is at, where this team is going forward. They have a few games under the belt. This game against North Carolina is huge. Yeah, it's massive. No no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, I guess every time I say we're not going to learn something, we do learn things. So note to the wise, you're always learning. Yeah. And so far, a lot of the lessons we've learned have not been great. No, <laughs> they've maybe, not maybe, been maybe. super fun. All right. But we're going to talk about North Carolina later this week. Before we go, I feel like it's time we should hand out some game balls. So who are you giving yours to? Um, You know, I think there's really only one answer for this. You're probably going to think the same thing as me. I think it has to be Jacob Lacey uh, just because he, the way he was moving around the field was really impressive, even outside of his stat line with a couple sacks and, tackle couple tackles for loss um he just he looked like our best defensive lineman yesterday which was wild I mean and other guys had good games but he was he was the one that was always in on the action yesterday yeah I'm giving mine to Jacob Lacey as well shout out Kentucky boy so that was good to see he sort of had a really interesting path to here he's dealt with some weird injuries and, and stuff that sort of kept him off the field and he's had a pretty loaded depth chart in front of him but man he made a statement he finished with five tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for a loss, but maybe more impressive than all that is. It felt like every time he made a sack or a tackle for a loss, it came at a huge time. Second, It was a second down. They were kind of moving the ball, and then he had a sack that dropped him to third and 18. And then in the goal line, when they were going in to score, he was getting in the backfield. He was disrupting. And Notre Dame needs that because we thought Jason Adamiola might be the force inside, but then now it might be Jacob Lacey. And if, if they're able to get pressure, then they can actually blitz the linebackers and you know, get after the quarterback and maybe just maybe force a turnover. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. No promises. No promises. All right. Um, that's all I got for the Cal game. Uh, it was a win. You got any final thoughts here before we head out? No, just glad they did not lose to Cal. <laughs> um, are you going to North Carolina this weekend? Uh-uh. No, no, I canceled. I canceled that after the Buckner pick six against Marshall. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Sun Saturday Irish. Thank you all for watching or listening wherever you are. We will be back on Thursday of this week to get you ready for Notre Dame's matchup against Carolina. In the meantime, please like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube, or you can su- subscribe to the podcast and give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Sunset Irish. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thursday.